So Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, don't bother me. The door's already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, you will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. So what's the first image he gives? They say, teach us to pray. And he says, suppose a friend comes to you late at night. So what verses are those? Yeah, five through eight. So the friend comes and then tell me what happens. No, 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 you're the one who's knocking on the door. Suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. So the context is, you don't have what you need for someone in your life, so you do what in Jesus' mind is totally reasonable. You audaciously wake your neighbor up while he's in bed and ask him for it. That's not our culture, is it? When's the last time you asked your neighbor for a cup of flour? First off, what's, who, he's interrupting you maybe? I don't know. But you're then interrupting him. The whole thing is really bold though. But, so that's the first thing is like, you're, you're, you're not asking just for yourself, are you? You're asking so that you can give to others, which is fascinating. Okay, so I have nothing to set before him, so... You are not the answer. I am not the answer. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Okay. It's like this. You don't got what you need. So you go to the one who has it. And then what? Yeah, this is definitely his answer. Teach us how to pray. Well, you don't have what you need, so you go to the one who has it. And he says, go away. I'm in bed with my kids. Which, when I was, when we, were had, when we had really teeny tykes, and we were doing the whole, like, 
you let the kids scream or do you comfort them? Do you, do you nurse them to sleep? Do you hold them to sleep? Do you rock them to sleep? Do you let them scream? And then I found this and I thought that's interesting because like we grew up, it was like sleeping with your children will make them bad people. You, yeah, you need to smack the sin out of them. And, and yeah, I've become much more of an attachment parent as, as time has gone on. Um, I want my kids to know that when they cry, someone who loves them is coming. See, that, just, that gets me emotional, you know. And so I'm in bed with my kids. So what? One room house, probably. All shared. Tina said the, last night or Monday night when we tried to have a DTS and it didn't go well. <laughs> the teacher didn't come and Stan and Mary on vacation. Half the other people were sick. <laughs> so we had a little, we just had a conversation. But uh, what did you say, Tina? It was cold. <laughs> Sleep with the kids to stay yeah, and there's a goat in the room, probably. <laughs> and we wondered, how the heck did they get pregnant? <laughs> and, and don't answer very carefully, because that's irritating. Um, but I'm in bed with my children. I'm not going to get up and... <laughs> yeah, they've managed. Lots of kids. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, verse 8, even though he's not going to get up because he's your friend just because of your persistence. In other words, it's going to be easier. You'll finally shut up and go away if he just gets up and gives you what you need. Now, what is that? Is that trying to teach? Is Jesus trying to teach us about who the... I'm standing so much higher than you. That's funny. Is Jesus trying to teach us who the father is in that story? Is, is the father annoyed that we're asking and finally just because he's sick and tired of hearing us pray, just to get rid of us, he'll, he'll answer our prayer? Is that what he's saying? Come on, you guys know that the answer is no. So who is he, whose attitude is Jesus talking to about? It's, it's us. Teach us to pray, Jesus. All right, first things first. You don't have what you need, so you go to, one, to the one who has it. And you ask and you ask and you ask impetuously, irritatingly, boldly, rudely, if need be, until you get what you need. Because you don't have what you need to flow through you, to have the light. You've got needs around you that are bumping into you. And if you're going to meet those needs, you're not the answer. So you got to go to the one who has it and don't stop until he gives it. The other day, Curtis Hines gave me food. And I was too shy to go busting back in there after the, the you know how you have a certain kind of interaction and the interaction is sort of done so I waited to eat my food rather than go back in there and ask for a spoon. Because even though I'm 42, I sometimes still get real shy. I thought about that when I was reading this, going, I must not have been hungry. Because if I was hungry, I would have had no problem saying, hey, don't mind me, I'm just getting a spoon. Wouldn't have even been slightly embarrassed. So I must not have been hungry. You know what I'm saying? Either that or I must really be more shy than I... Than I so you don't have to have unnecessary human interactions. I know it's I know funny. Carry <laughs> Some people are so extroverted that they would be like, they would have just, oh, great, now I have an excuse to do more interacting with Curtis and all the people that were there. But I'm just introverted enough that I was like, ah, I'll just wait till I get home to eat. Fascinating, isn't it? How bold do you have to be not just to go, oh, excuse me, pardon me, I know, I know, excuse me, pardon me, but wake people up. I kind of have this mindset that waking people up is a sin. 
Uh, <laughs> Don't wake me up. <laughs> there's a. My mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is so awesome. When every time we have had a baby, she has spent like a week with us. And by the end of the week, I'm so grateful that she's come. And I appreciate her more than I did before. And I'm super ready for her to go home. Uh, she's up in the morning, real early, doing dishes loudly, clanking and clanging. Got a brand new baby. We're all sleep deprived and exhausted. It's not her baby. It's her grandbaby. So she ain't up all night with it. So she's up. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying. It's like, praise God that you're here enough. Just go quietly. Can you go quietly? Uh, I just caught a picture of a bumper sticker. See if I can find it. See if you guys like it. Turn. There we are. Where did I see this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's the, that's the attitude of the guy who you wake him up and you start asking him for stuff is, are you serious right now? Like, I like to be hospitable, but not at this hour and go away. So yeah, takes a certain amount of boldness. What are the words you would use to describe what Jesus is saying for us to be like? Is, I've said the word bold is persistent. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So Jesus teaches to pray. And this is how he starts. Well, first he gave the Our Father, and then he launches into this. All right. And then he's, but he's not done, because right the very next verses. So I say to you, verse 9, ask, and it will be given. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And then he gives the general principle. Everyone, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who searches, finds. So what, what verse, what, 9 through, what did I say? 9 and 10 or 9 through 11? Okay, 9 and 10. Ask, search, and knock. That is intense. Um, I just made a little video about parts of this, in this on our face, church Facebook this morning where I started by telling a story about my buddy Sam in college. Yeah. Uh, I watched that. And every single time we ever played racquetball, he won. And... He's a big, he was a big muscular dude. He was, I mean, I don't know how he could move around the little racquetball court so fast. Every time we played racquetball, he won. Then he got knee surgery, and I thought, I'm finally going to win. Because, I mean, he had it elevated and stuff for weeks, and it drains on it, and he was in severe pain, and incredible attitude. He blew his knee out, and, you know, before, he thought he had a shot maybe to get a, spa, a scholarship or something like that, but then his, he had bad knees, you know, that kind of thing. So, so instead, he went with his extremely good brain, and got an engineering degree, and now he works as an engineer. Anyway, so I was like, now I'm going to get him. Now I'm going to get him. So I'm making him run on his, on his bad knee. I'm making him dive for things. I'm not going easy on him. I'm like, I'm just hitting it hard. I'm hitting it soft. I'm working all the angles. It's close, but I still can't beat the boy. And at the, at the end, I'm like, Sam, I don't understand. Why can I not beat you? And he just says, the thing he always said, this was his catchphrase, you got to want it, you got to want it. And I'm like, are you honestly telling me you wanted it more than me? And then I'm thinking, I think somehow magically, like he, he had more grit, more, it's imp He's at, I had him at a disadvantage. And I feel like that's what Jesus is really, really saying here. Ask, search, knock. This is just sort of, drilling down on what he said so far. 
When you get told no, how many times after you get told no do you keep asking? <laughs> I came home today with an ice cream cone. Oh. And then I left without it. Can you guess why? Because Layla walked out and said, I want an ice cream cone. And I looked down at it. And I looked at her. <laughs> you know me. Were you, did you surveil my house? <laughs> so I handed her an ice cream cone because she asked. You know, I thought, well, I've been licking this all the way from McDonald's to home. So I've had some ice cream. She's had none. I'm fat. She doesn't, she needs it. Or I, I'm working on it anyway. But ask, how, like, there's a, there's a, I would never want to be a salesman because you have to keep knocking on doors no matter how many rejections you get. You will, you will not make a sale if rejection and no shuts you down. And so Jesus teaches to pray. You got to be like this guy who wakes up his neighbor and you got to be like this one who won't stop asking even though the answer so far has been no. And then the searching part, ooh, searching, seeking, hunting. You know, it's fascinating to me how much persistence and patience some men have for hunting. They will sit in a duck blind in the cold. All day long. Yeah, all day long. And I'm like, dude, if we had that much hunger for the things of the kingdom, that much patience and focus and determination to search out and patiently wait because we know that there should be one coming. You know, not a duck, a deer, you know. Multiple ducks are going to be coming. You're going to call them in. You're going, to, you're going to take that thing out that you bought for $40 from that Christian dude from the bayou. And what's his name? The Duck Dynasty guy, that bearded Christian dude. And you're going to blow on that and you're going to sound hilarious. And then ducks are going to come, you know. And then knock, I mean. It, when I go out walking around with Carl and we pray for the neighbors... That's when I really figure out who he is and who I am in terms, <laughs> in terms of that not wanting to even get a, interrupt people to get a spoon. I'll talk to strangers in a moment if it looks natural. I don't even understand myself. I'll strike up intense conversations with strangers like this morning, the dude with the dog at the woods. Carrie and I were putting things in for her cross-country team and here comes a dude with the dog and I said, oh, let's let him pass. Then the dog didn't like us and didn't want to pass. Then it wanted to be with us. So it turned into a conversation. I said, hey, what's the dog's name? It's Luca. I said, oh, like Luca Doncic, the basketball player from who knows where, somewhere from Europe. And he's like, actually, yeah, he's named after Luca Doncic. And I'm like, that's crazy. And yeah, but, the, but my girl doesn't like basketball. How can I get into a conversation with him, Mike? And like, it's totally easy and whatever. But if you sent me out and you said, I want you to evangelize all your neighbors, I would be like, I would feel like, oh man, are you serious right now? I have no problem imposing friendliness on someone. But I, but I don't want to impose, I don't like it when somebody tries to control me, manipulate me, or sell me something I don't need. But I love when somebody is kind as a stranger to me. And so I'm trying to figure out what it would look like for me to do evangelism the way that I'm, that I'm called to do evangelism. Not the way that somebody else is that wrote a book about it, but the way I'm called to do it. And when you said give them eggs, I was like, I could do that. I could do that. I would feel awesome about representing Jesus that way, you know. But try to corner them and get them to pray a sinner's prayer or tell them that they're, get them to feel bad about sin and guilty for not being in church. That's ah, not, 
That's not how I would want it. But Carl's a thing of beauty. Hey, how you doing? It's love in his eyes, total, you know, and if we would get shut down, he wouldn't he'd move on and say, that's them, not me. It has nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with them. I love that guy. Anyway, but ask, search, and knock. Still talking about us. Everyone, says Jesus, who asks, receives. Everyone gets what they're really, really, really hunting for in life. That's interesting. And everyone who knocks, to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Not is open now, will be open. When? Well, eventually, I think would be the answer to that. Eventually. Still, so that's on us. Then he switches to what about the Father? Verse 11, then it suddenly switches gears, right? Is there any, because, I mean, you see why. Because this seems to imply that the Father must be resisting these requests. That's what it almost, you start to get the impression. Right? Remember like Luke 18, and then Jesus told them a parable to teach them that they should always pray and never give up, which is super helpful for him to give us the interpretation right at the beginning. We don't ever, you know, oh, well, now I know what this is about. Then he has an unjust judge that is just like sick and tired of listening to that lady's incessant request. So he's finally, fine, fine. And then you go, is that God? Is God the unjust judge? No. His point is, God's not an unjust judge. His, his, God is a completely just judge. So that's the attitude we want on your end, but that doesn't, don't take from that that the Father is not generous and kind. So, all right, verse 11. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Incidentally, we found a hog-nosed snake this morning. It was adorable. And it snapped at Carrie and everything. It was so cute. It, it was like this big. It was like, no, it was fat and happy. And it flattened out its head and acted like, I'm a poisonous snake and I can murder you. And I was like, no, you're not. You're just a little hog nose. You're a cutie. So I picked him up with my shovel and we took a little video picture of him. And then later I was like, was that a hog nose or was that a copperhead? I better go check. It was a hog nose, like I thought. Because <laughs> she's got her hand like inches from him. Actually, and I'm like, well, it, they look so similar sometimes, but it wasn't. So, okay. You would not. You would not give your kid a snake. You would not give your kid a scorpion instead of an egg. And then he says, verse 13, if you then who are evil, which is wonderful of Jesus to, you know, you guys are imperfect, flawed, selfish, broken, changeable, malleable. You struggle to keep promises and intentions that you actually sincerely wanted to because you just, you know, didn't have the moral fortitude to follow through. Y'all are messed up. And yet you find a way to be genuinely gracious and compassionate to your kids, even as messed up and selfish and self-centered as you have a tendency to be. Your father's none of those things. That's like, your father's none of those things. How much more? If you're evil, <laughs> it's like, could you soften it a little maybe, Jesus? You have to say evil? Couldn't you just say imperfect? No, no, evil. <laughs> We're going with evil. How much more the father who is not there's no shadow in him. There's not one spot in his motivations that's anything other than genuine love for you. There's not one selfish bone in his body. He's 100% righteous and faithful and good and pure. How much more will he give what? Wow. So now we're actually not just getting a clue on how to pray, but what to pray for. That's intriguing. How much more will the Father who is pure, unlike us, who is love, unlike us, who is good, unlike us, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit, who is what? It's him. It's what he... So he's pouring himself into us so that we're no longer evil, right? 
That's kind of the gospel, is we're not good, but he fills us with himself, and then suddenly we're brand new people who have good hearts. We used to have sinful, wicked, empty, wretched hearts that were twisted and perverse. Now we actually have good hearts. Now we have a renewed mind. Fascinating, right? That's very different from make yourselves good and be good. So go ahead and describe the Father just kind of the ways that we have in that, like I said, he is good. Just some attributes of who the Father is. Loving, unselfish. What was the other one? Gracious. Anything else? You didn't say any yet. Caring? Since we've been talking about that at the beginning, how we're not to put our trust in any human, and you can't find me one verse that says put your trust in any man, and all the verses say put your trust in the Lord. Don't put your trust in princes. Don't put your trust in leaders. Don't put your trust in men. Put all your trust in the Lord. I'm going to say trustworthy. So on our side, in t- Jesus teaches to pray. Okay, I will. On your side, bold, persistent, tenacious, unrelenting, going after it. Why? Because you don't have what you need to give the guest what they need. You're not your guest's answer. So you got to go after, go to the one who has it. Well, who's the one who has it? The Father has it. And he is good and loving and unselfish and gracious and generous and caring and trustworthy. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit? So this is an interesting... Luke 11 says that the, the life of prayer is about us who have need relentlessly going after God who has everything until he fills us with himself and that it's obviously not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle thing. God's pouring more and more of himself into us as we tenaciously and hungrily go after him. And that's Jesus' answer to teach us how to pray. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I, one of the things I'm intrigued by is people who say to me, they've tried that and it didn't work. Think of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah says, you, you will search for me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I remember Bill Johnson saying at the end of a message, he'd just given a beautiful message about being the person who stays up late at night, not because they should, but because they are hungry for God. And the person who prays all night without anyone calling for all night prayer because of an emergency and being the person who is attentive and hungry for God's voice without a disaster or crisis in their life, but just because they want God. I'm here looking for one person. I'm not trying to get a thousand people in agreement. I just want one person who will genuinely love God and genuinely seek God because I'm sure that one person plus God is a majority. And so at the end of his message, he says, um, now I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to let you pray. But don't pray casual prayers because casual prayers get casual answers. I will say I can, you can take this too far. When I was a baby Christian, when I was 19, when I was 19 years old, I, put, I had a prayer voice that I would put on. I didn't, I didn't know I did it. I didn't, if you just said, you, why are you using a preacher voice? I would have been like, I don't know. It's just how I pray. But it wasn't really authentic to me. It was like a prayer voice I would put on. So I remember one time being completely unsettled by the way my dad prayed because he just talked to God as though he didn't have to yell because he was really close by and he didn't have to use a special voice because he's really good and kind and you can just talk to him like this. 
it startled me so much to hear how my dad prayed that I literally opened my eyes and stared at him with like near disbelief. And I thought to myself, I think I need an upgrade. I'm not against passion. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I, in, in my zeal to be this way, actually kind of got a distorted vision of the father that he needs me to be this way before he'll answer. When there my dad was going, I mean this prayer and I don't have to get up a special voice. I've given myself a hernia in prayer and I don't think it made me more effective. Sometimes I'm yeah. And it really has to do with you being serious, not you being loud. But you might need to be loud for you to. And so that's why I tell other people to pray out loud. It's not because God needs you to. But I find it's very, I'm so easily distracted. And I can have a hundred thoughts at the same time. And by speaking out loud, at least I can pick which voice I'm choosing to go with here. I know, Mike, it's, it's like that. It's like, it really is like that. It's like I could sit there and have four thoughts going. But if I choose to speak out loud, I have to pick one, and that one's the one then. This is what I'm praying, God. This is who you are, Father. This is who I am, Father. This is what I'm asking for you today, Father, and this is what I need to be reminded of today. You know, and I'll, I'll repeat things in prayer, even though Jesus said when you pray, you don't need to repeat yourself a lot because that's kind of like the pagans. And I do sometimes repeat myself a lot, but you know why? Not to convince God like a pagan. I repeat what I need to be reminded of a lot, which is different. That's not a pagan thing. I repeat over and over what I need to be reminded of to stir my faith up. It's different. If you're repeating because you think God's not going to hear you, that's, diff- that's bad. First time I ever really pressed into saying, you know what, I'm gonna, we're, we're supposed to go after impartation of the Holy Spirit. The Lord led me to Luke 11 and asked me to teach on Luke 11 as the sort of setup to me laying hands on, on those students. And I find it intriguing because... This is him saying, this is how you pray, routinely. So the routine, normal way for a disciple to pray is to hungrily and tenaciously go after more of God for him to give you more Holy Spirit. That's the routine, daily way to pray. Uh, It's not how you pray in October when you're having revival services coming up. There's so much promise in the idea that as we continue to hungrily go after God, he continues to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Not just once, not just twice, but over and over again. So that, what? So the guest who comes gets something to eat from us. So sometimes what really goes on here is like the whole principle of some trucks drive straighter with a load. I told the Lord, you know, I think I could be real close to you if I would just get out of ministry. This is three, four years ago, maybe five now. And instantly he's like, you're wrong. You're wrong. I said, okay, what do you mean? He goes, it's the opposite of that. It's literally exactly the opposite of what you just said. And then he asked me some questions. If you didn't have people depending on you, do you think you would be going after me as much as you are? And I was like, hmm. And he asked me a few more questions right along those lines. And so it's, it's kind of like when you say yes to being put in a position a little over your head, Paul says, who's sufficient for all these things? gospel ministry, the needs of people, the importance of the gospel. These people are going to live forever, people. Like, y'all are going to live forever. Everyone around here, we're going to live forever. Who's sufficient for that? That's way over everyone's pay grade. Having children, it's way over our pay grade. Anyone who's like, I'm ready to have kids, you're an idiot. That's what I said when I started home school. I always said I'd never... These souls are going to live forever. And the biggest single influence that's going to affect the trajectory of their eternity is the parents... And yet, we're just like, cool, I'd like kids. <laughs> or marriage. 
You sign up, you say yes, and then you are in over your head. Now you got to die to things you didn't know you needed to die. Now you got to learn to forgive and do things. Now you got to learn to repent of things that wouldn't have even been revealed to you. Were challenged. Stuff gets exposed and neat. Yeah. And then you got to grow to God because you're not your answer. You're not their answer. I'm not your guru. I'm not your Messiah. I'm not your answer. And you're not mine. But I can be a channel or a vessel for your answer. Your answer can flow to you through me briefly for a moment or for a season and vice versa. And that's, that's so fascinating. So yeah, we need more Holy Spirit, but not just for happy fun times. Like the youth group that's like, let's pray that we can walk on water. So they try to walk on water across the swimming pool. But it serves no purpose. It's just for gee whiz. It's just for cool. That'd be neat. There's something about legitimate need that serves the Father's agenda that draws, you know. So put yourself, like Bono would say, God's will is blessed. So stop asking to be blessed and get in the center of his will and you will be blessed whether you ask to be or not. Put yourself in the front lines of kingdom work and you're going to have a guest show up and you're going to need grace and you're going to be put in a position where you're like, I need God, and then he's going to give you more. All right, let's get to the praying part.